Genesis chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 16. The title of the message this morning is Dressed for War. When you left your house this morning, did you dress for war? Not for the hot weather, but for war. Paul exhorted believers to be strong in the Lord, in verse 10, and in the power of his might. And he's talking about power that overcomes resistance. A power of God's inherent strength, the power that's in God, that is God. And that's why believers can be strengthened not only by the person of the Lord, but also by his resources, prayer, the word, fellowship. We're like the people of Israel when they moved into the promised land and they claimed their victory. When they moved into the promised land, the older generation died, the new generation forgot about God and lost their territory. Why? Because they didn't stand strong. Paul said earlier in Ephesians 4, he said, it's high time for Christians to grow up. You see, before we can walk with Jesus, and before we can run the race that's been set before us, and before we can fight the good fight, we first have to learn how to stand. If you remember your, your kids when they first started to walk and to move about, what was the first thing they had to do? Learn how to stand. They'd grab onto the side of a couch or their chair and they'd, they'd hold on and then little by little they'd let go and they'd stand there all wobbly and until their legs strengthened until they could stand. Because once they were able to stand, they were able then to take that first step. And to go on and to move and to, and to run about. Notice what Paul tells us in verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, notice, to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means, in the Greek, is methodia. It's where we get our word method. It means methods or craftiness. And we know that the Bible tells us in Genesis that Satan is the most cunning beast of the field. He's crafty. He's, he's shrewd. Paul said in Ephesians 4.4 4, how important it was to grow up and to mature as Christians. Christians who don't mature are like little children who are very gullible and, and they believe anything or anyone. They don't have the experience or training to use discernment. And sad to say that some of God's children have no discernment either. They'll listen to a TV program or a radio evangelist or they'll read a book and they won't know that it's false doctrine. But if we're mature believers, we won't be deceived by Satan's tricky plans. Paul tells us the way to stand against Satan's wild is to put on the whole armor of God again. He says it twice. Now look at verse 13. Right, so let's read 12 through 13. And then he goes to say, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of verse 12, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 13. 
Notice. Paul tells us to stand against the wiles of the devil. And to do that, you have to put on the whole armor of God. It's so important that we wear all of the armor, not just some of it. If we don't use it all, then we're not totally protected. And Satan can and will attack you uh, when, when you're not protected. Christians are often misled into believing they don't need all the armor or they take it lightly, which is pride. I got this. I can handle it. Some of the great men and women in the Bible who fell into sin fell when they were strong. Abraham's greatest strength was his faith. And he failed in that area. Moses' great strength was his weakness, and yet he lost his temper and he beat the rock. Peter's strength was courage, but he denied the Lord three times. David's strength was his integrity. A man after God's own heart, yet he became a man of deception and lies. So when you start thinking, I've got it together. Oh, I've been a Christian for 15, 20 years, and you know, I've read the Bible several times, and, and I know it backwards and forward. When you think you've got it together in certain areas of your life, and you don't need God's protection, that's exactly where Satan will attack you. And as Paul said in verse 12, we have to remember, we're not fighting with people. We're fighting with Satan who uses people. Satan has no boundaries and he'll use those closest to you. And Satan is not God's equal because he's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent, he's not omnipotent. God knows everything. Satan doesn't. Satan can't be everywhere at the same time, like God. But Satan has a huge army, and he can operate in, in many places at the same time. So you see, that's how Satan can do his thing. We are fighting against a well-organized demonic power. And he wants to rob us of our inheritance in Christ. And in order to defend ourselves from his attacks, we have to learn to stand in the power of Christ, and we have to put on all the armor of God. Because if we are not totally prepared and protected, we are not ready for the battle. We will be destroyed. You know, for those who are in the military, you remember, they trained you for battle. They gave us certain protective gear for that battle. You know, I got a helmet, I got a flak vest, I got an M16. Taught us what it was for, how to use it. You know, and when you see our, our police departments, when they go out there and they have to battle these protesters. You know, and they, and they just really want to cause havoc. They're wearing their helmets, they're wearing their face shields, they have their, their, their shields on. And it's to protect them from being wounded and hurt. Now, how silly would it be for us to go out to battle and say, oh, I don't need this part of my armor. I don't need the helmet. I don't need my weapon. You'd look at us like we were crazy. And yet we're in a spiritual battle. And we're to put on the armor, all of it, every day before we walk out the door. And many times we don't. We leave it behind. And then we wonder why we get beat up. 
defeated, wounded in battle. So why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because the enemy is strong and we're living in evil days. And it's important that we win. Too many people try to live in their own strength and not in God's. We have to be strong because the outcome means shame or glory to God. Are we going to be victors or victims? Winners or losers? Are we going to be a help or a hindrance to other people? Why do we have to be strong? Because Jesus paid with his blood for our victory. Think of that. He paid with his blood so that we could have victory. Put on the armor that he purchased for you with his blood so that you can claim the victory in Christ. Verse 14. And then Paul says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So he begins now to go down the list of the armor. And he's going to, let's see how he's going to use it to fight the enemy. The first piece of the Christian's armor is the girdle of truth. It was worn by the Roman soldiers. The girdle of truth was usually a leather apron that helped protect the lower part of the body. It was also used as a sheath for the soldier's sword. Now, what did this girdle of truth apply to in the believer's life? Well, in the Bible, a girdle was used to pull things together. In Paul's day, men, women, and soldiers all wore long flowing robes. When they wanted to move quickly, they would have to, have to gather up their robes and tuck the ends of it into their girdle so that they wouldn't trip over their robe. And in the same way, the, Christians has, the Christian has to prepare his mind and heart for battle. He has to get rid of any thoughts or habits that would hinder his walk with the Lord. And this is what Peter meant when he said that we were to gird up the loins of our mind. He meant we are to have our mind in constant preparation. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. The girdle of truth stands for a life and a mind that's pulled together, that's got their thinking in order. We have to have our thoughts in order, ready to serve for the glory of God. It speaks of integrity, the opposite of being deceitful. Satan hates integrity. Deceit will lead to a double life and a divided heart. We can't focus our minds and our hearts on God and worldly pleasures at the same time. This always leads to unfaithfulness. And Jesus said we can't serve two masters. So if we're going to stand guard against Satan and his army, we have to declare our loyalty to Jesus Christ and keep our integrity. Now Satan loves defeat, deceit. He loves deceit. Because he knows, as Jesus said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself, it will not stand. We have to make up our minds once and for all that I am going to be totally surrendered to Jesus Christ. And a good soldier concentrates only on following the orders of his commander. And when we have integrity, the singleness of purpose, then Satan's weapons are useless against us. God's standards of morality are very clear. There are no exceptions. There is no compromise. And it doesn't matter what others say or what they do. 
we need to be steadfast, stand steadfastly on God's side, like Joshua, when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When we put on the girdle of truth and we stand firm in our integrity, we can enter the battle, the battle boldly, knowing that Satan can't hurt us. The second piece of equipment that Paul mentions is the breastplate of righteousness. As we know, Satan is a liar. He's the father of them. He's an accuser of the brethren. And that's why he loves to destroy our witness to the world with his finger pointing. Oh, look at that Christian. Look at what they're doing. Look at what, how they're behaving. And then we let him get into our heads by reminding us of our past mistakes and our sins. Forgetting that we've been forgiven. And then we feel that we're not worthy to serve the Lord. And Satan wins. But thank God he's given us the weapon that we need to shut the accuser's mouth. The breastplate was a very important piece of the armor of the Roman soldier. It was a coat of mail. That covered the front and the back of the shoulders of the soldier's body from the neck to the thighs. The breastplate covered all the upper part of the body and protected all the vital organs. The Christian soldier's uh, coat of mail is the righteousness of God received by faith in Christ. And this is what is known as imputed righteousness. In other words, the righteousness that God has given me through Christ. That's why when we put on Christ, we're putting on his righteousness. Imputed righteousness means God puts his righteousness on your account. God doesn't erase your old record completely, but he also makes sure that nothing else is written in it. See, by fulfilling it with his righteousness. Once God says you're righteous, you should know that righteousness, by the way, is what you live by every day. And you should show that righteousness is the way that you live every day. Because he says he's given it to us. Paul talked about how important having the righteousness in Christ is. Listen to what he said in Romans 6, 12 through 14. He said, therefore do not, notice, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin, notice, shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Here Paul is talking about how we need to have a real everyday righteousness in our words, in our walk, in our motives, and in everything that we say and do. But... While we need to live righteously because of the righteousness we've received from God, we have to remember that our own righteousness is never good enough by itself. Satan loves to point his finger at us. He loves to accuse us. And a lot of times we accuse ourselves. Others accuse us. Our circumstances accuse us. In other words, if I'm going through a tough time, I begin to think, well, wow, man, I've I've messed up. Maybe I've done something wrong. In other words, if only I was a better Christian, I wouldn't be going through all of this stuff. 
I wouldn't be dealing with this, these trials. And one of Satan's favorite weapons, greatest weapons, is false accusations. Whether it's from people or ourselves or our circumstances or the devil himself, we need to remember that the devil started them. But we have to also, we have the breastplate of righteousness to defend ourselves against these attacks. By faith, continually wear this breastplate, remembering that you are wearing the righteousness of Christ. And that his righteousness makes you accepted in the beloved. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here's the next piece of equipment. Count how many times Paul uses the word stand here. In this section. We have to understand how important it is, as I've already said, that we stand firm against his attacks. We do that by depending upon the Lord's strength and his power and by wearing the spiritual armor that he's given us. Now, in order to stand firm, we have to have the right protection for our feet. The Roman soldier wore sandals that were tied tightly to his feet with leather straps. On the bottom of the sandals were something like a large headed nail. That would give the soldier a firm footing. And this is the picture uh, that the word preparation gives us. It means a firm footing. It means a strong foundation. And a soldier knows that if he's having trouble with his feet and he can't stand. And if he can't stand, he can't fight very well. You've got to be able to move. You know, when the enemy comes at you to, to, to move from right to left or to back or to go forward. But if you can't, if you're not standing on solid ground and your feet are slipping and you're losing your balance and your stability, you can't fight very well. In the same way, Christians need a firm footing that comes from standing on the gospel of peace. In order to keep their balance as they fight Satan. Now, what's the gospel that Paul's referring to here? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers us in the gospel of peace that we firmly and securely stand on. Satan hates God's message of salvation because that's how, we, that's how Jesus defeated Satan. That's why he's always trying to get people to turn away from it, to, you know, to, to hear or to listen to another gospel. That's why he wants to get preachers not to turn away from preaching the gospel. Paul warned us about falling and listening to some other gospel. When it comes to serving the Lord, we should always be moving. We should always be making progress. But when it comes to the gospel, we need to be immovable from the, on the word of God and no compromise. We need to stand firmly. We need to stand our ground on the never-changing word of God because it doesn't need to be improved. Paul in Galatians 6 uh, said this, I'm shocked that you're, that you're turning away so soon from God. Who in his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life he gives through Christ. You're already following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who twist and change the truth about Christ. 
What else do these shoes do for us? They give us stability. Too many Christians today are unstable. Like Paul said, they're being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They're not grounded in the word of God. They're like children who believe everything that they hear and then they're led astray so easily because they don't know the word of God. They're not grounded. Instability is a serious problem because it can hinder or destroy our Christian faith. And the Bible warns us over and over again about being stable. We need to learn the word of God and stand on it so that you know exactly what you believe and why. Run everything you hear through the word of God to find out whether it's true or not. Like the Bereans did. Who searched the scriptures daily to find out whether the things Paul was saying were right. Because if you don't, you'll be tossed around until you get carried away from God totally. But a person who's grounded in the word will be stable in their faith and they won't be shaken. Stability is one of the biggest needs among Christians today. Hebrews says that this hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Are you anchored today? Are you anchored deep? The shoes of the gospel give us balance. Again, Satan loves unbalanced Christians. They focus on one area of the Bible. You know, some focus on the gifts and the charismatic gifts and some people focus on prophecy only. And they ignore the other Bible teachings about how to walk in Christ, how to find strength and hope in Christ. In order to be balanced and able to walk as Christians, we need a good understanding of the Bible. The Bible doctrines like justification, sanctification, salvation, and the Holy Spirit and sin. When our faith is resting firmly on all the truths of the gospel, we will have balance and stability in our Christian lives. We need balance if we're going to hold our ground against Satan. And that's why Paul said in Acts 20, verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And as I've said before, it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. The shoes of the gospel gives us mobility. We need stability. We need balance and mobility in order to fight. A soldier needs to be able to move so that he can attack. And so that he can react to the moves of the enemy. The Roman soldier's saddles were designed for mobility as well as for strength and protection. They were light enough so that he could move and turn quickly. He was able to adjust and shift his position quickly. And they were comfortable so that his feet didn't get tired and sore. And the problem with a lot of believers is they're standing still. They're not willing to move from their position. But think about it. What are your shoes for? Walking and running. We wear the shoes of the gospel to stand our ground, to have a firm footing and mobility so that we can respond in a hurry to the enemy's tactics. One of the things that get in the way most of the Lord's work is, is Christians who aren't willing to change. 
But sometimes our tactics need to change in how we share the good news. And that's what we're having to do right now with this pandemic. We've got to become creative in sharing the gospel with people. Remember when, when the, 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 the man had his, on the stretcher, he had his four friends taking him to Jesus? It was customary to go through the front door. He couldn't get through the front door. It was crowded. He, they, 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 they couldn't go through the normal way. Thank God that, that man's friends didn't say, well, you know, it's, it's, just, you know, it's crowded. There's too many people. We can't get in. We'll try another time. No, man, they climbed up on the roof and pulled out the tiles and all that was up there, and they dropped him down in the middle of the room. You see, they had to think. They had to be creative in the way they got him to Jesus. And we have to do the same thing. Instead of complaining about what's going on and how things are going, we say, okay, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me your sermon on how I can get the gospel out. Sometimes, like I said, our tactics need to change in how we share the good news. We need to be able to change when we fight the enemy. And people often get upset when you change certain things or methods. Listen, the message never changes the way we share has to sometimes in order to meet the people where they are. The devil is always changing his tactics. And if we don't stay loose and flexible when we need to, he'll quickly get the advantage. So the kind of soldier who will be victorious on the battlefield is the one who's stable, who's balanced, who's mobile, and can get around and uses every chance he gets to share the good news. Verse 16. Above all, notice, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now the shield of faith. What's the shield for? The shield... Is for deflecting things that are thrown at us. And, and you know, again, when I think of this, I, I think of our, our, our policemen who are out there at these protests, and they've got rocks and bricks and bottles and all kinds of stuff being thrown at them. And sometimes they do get hit. But thank God they have those shields because it protects them from a lot of the projectiles that are being thrown at them. And Satan is always throwing stuff at us. Always throwing stuff at us. In this case, Paul says they're fiery darts. And you know what? The devil never runs out of fiery darts. He'll fire several rounds. Now, a fiery dart could be unemployment. A fiery dart could be sickness. It could be suffering. It could be broken relationships. A fiery dart could be disappointment. And as they keep coming in, we start to lower our shield of faith. And all of a sudden, we get nailed with a fiery dart of anger, fear, doubt, depression, feeling sorry for ourselves. If we don't have a strong defense, these fiery darts will hit their target and we will fall in battle. But you see, the Lord has given us a shield to repel these fiery darts. 
The shield that Paul was talking about here wasn't the small little round one that we see, you know, just moving about real easily. The one that we normally think of. Paul was talking about the shield that a Roman soldier carried, and it was pretty big. It was about two and a half, two feet by four feet. And so he was able to pretty much duck behind it so that the soldier could, co- could cover himself. It was made out of wood. It was covered with cloth and leather. And sometimes the soldier would dip it in water so those fiery arrows would be extinguished when they hit the shield. Paul used this image of the shield to represent the believer's faith. Now, Paul wasn't talking about a historical faith that says, oh, yeah, I believe that, that, you know, the, the story of the Bible. I believe that Jesus really did live and died and rose again. Paul wasn't talking about saving faith, even though it's very important. Paul was talking about real, everyday faith that says, you know what? I will not depend upon myself or base my decisions on my experience or what I know. Instead, I am trusting God to give me the victory today. This is the kind of faith that that defeats Satan and his forces. The shield of faith protects the soldier. Now, Satan's fiery darts, they are fast and they are silent and they can be deadly. You don't even know when they're coming. And then all of a sudden, one of his arrows hit. We feel a little bit of pain. And before you know it, a raging fire breaks out and destroying everything in its way. The devil fires these fiery darts at us from the outside. He waits and he watches. And then when our lives are going well and we stop depending upon God's help, Satan nails us when our shields are down. Satan throws a lot of different darts at us. So we have to be careful not to let these darts pierce our hearts because they will catch fire and do a lot of damage. One of his deadly darts is fear. There's a lot of fear out there today. We all struggle with fear at times. You know, all of a sudden we get some news about some change. We get a phone call or a letter, uh, you know, and we're overwhelmed with fear. Maybe some test results we're waiting for. And if we let this fear stick around pretty soon, it spreads like a wildfire. And you know what? It starts to destroy our faith. Faith and fear cannot live in the same heart. When we're afraid, we lose our faith that the Lord can help us. Remember, when the disciples were afraid of the storm, remember when they were out there in the boat? They woke Jesus up. Lord, don't you care? We're about to perish. Help us. Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? And the next thing he says, where's your faith? Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Don't you think I can take care of you? You see, fear and faith can't live in the same heart. Another kind of dart that Satan loves to throw at us is, is, is doubt. Doubt about God. Doubt about his word. We ask ourselves, does God really care about my situation, about what I'm going through right now, Lord? Uh, you know what? I, is your word really true? 
And if he can get you to doubt his word like he did Eve, you are, you, he's totally disarmed you. He's totally disarmed you. Satan also tries to throw darts of doubt about other people. We become skeptical about them. We come, become bitter with a, a, a fellow brother or sister or a leader. We start asking, is that person really walking with God? Are they really a Christian? You see the way they talk to me? Is that leader really qualified to serve the Lord? What did they really mean by that when they said that? Satan loves to fan the flames of doubt. And before you know it, guess what? If they grow and they increase, they will destroy our faith and our relationships with other people. He loves to cause doubt about ourselves even. Hey, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? Another dart that Satan loves to throw around is words. Oh, man, words. Words of criticism, words of hatred often coming out when we talk. Another dart is confusion. When we're confused in our thinking and in our emotions and in our our lives, that's not the Lord. Because the Lord is not the author of confusion. And we need to resist what the devil tries to do to us, what he tries to throw at us. So the shield of faith stops those fiery darts from hurting us and stopping the fire so the damage doesn't spread. So the faith Paul was talking about was in ourself. I'm sorry, was not in ourself, but in our God, who's our shield. The shield of faith also protects the rest of the armor. In verse 16, notice what it says. Oh, the wind blew my page. Be right there. 16. He goes on to say, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So, the shield of faith, like I said, protects the rest of the armor. Paul says, above all, above all, in other words, of the greatest importance, take the shield of faith. Because the other pieces of armor will not work properly if you don't have faith. Now, when you put on the girdle of truth, you're putting your faith in God's truth. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, it shows that you have faith that God is holy, righteous, and just. The shoes of peace say that you have faith in the gospel as well as the rest of the armor. It all says you depend upon faith of which without it you cannot please God. And lastly, the shield unites soldiers in the army. It's believed that the edges of these shields could be locked with each other. So that a row of Roman soldiers could lock these shields together. And when they marched, they could form a solid wall. Swords and arrows couldn't penetrate that wall as they would march forward. This is a great picture of what faith should mean to you and me. Because we have a common bond in our Lord and Savior Jesus. We have this common faith in our Jesus And because we do, we should love each other. We should walk together. We should stand together. We should fight together against our common enemy. We should walk like those Roman soldiers did. Side by side. 
and not let the enemy break through our lines. But too many times we spend too much of our energy fighting with each other or competing with each other. Just think what God could do do in this world if every one of us would stand with our shield locked with our neighbor and we would be one great wall of faith. Too many Christians are trying to fight their own battle their own way. Instead, we need to lock our shields together and not let any division be found among us and then God will give us the victory. We need unity among believers today. And if we'd all pray and trust God together, we could do so much more. But when we become selfish, or lone rangers in the faith and prideful, we don't want to stand next to our brother. We don't want to work together. We don't even want to, you know, to, to greet them in the church. The shield of faith protects us from all the fiery darts. The rest of our armor unites us with each other. I mean, what a privilege to, it is to be in the Lord's army. To serve under the, our, our commander of salvation. Closing with verses 17 through 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Again, Satan wants to attack the mind. That's where the battle starts. It's in the mind. The helmet here of salvation, it refers to the mind controlled by God. It plays an important role in Christian growth and service and in victory. When God controls the mind, Satan can't lead the believer astray. The Christian who studies his Bible, her Bible, and leans, uh, learns the meaning of Bible doctrines, they're not going to be easily led astray. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.18, we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to grow. Paul spoke of the sword of the Spirit here in verse 17, the second part. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword was the offensive weapon. The word of God is the offensive weapon that God provides for us. The Roman soldier wore on his uh, girdle a short sword which was used for close-in fighting. A physical sword requires the hand of a soldier, but the sword of the Spirit has its own power. Why? Because it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Spirit of God wrote the word of God. And the Spirit of God uses the word as we take it by faith and use it. The word of the Spirit wounds to heal and to give life. But when we use the sword of the Spirit, the word of God against Satan, we are out to deal him a blow that will cripple him and keep him from hindering God's work. By faith, put on the armor and trust God. Trust God for the victory. Trust God for the victory. Once and for all, we have to put on the armor at the moment of salvation. But there has to be a daily appropriation. In other words, we have to 
use it every day. We have to go to it every day. When King David, remember when he took off his armor and he returned to his palace? That's when he got in trouble, isn't it? He should have been out to battle. That's when he fell into sin. He took off his armor, returned to his palace, and he was in greater danger than when he was on the battlefield. Why? He was prepared. On the battlefield, he was prepared. But when he relaxed and set it aside, that's when, it, that's when Satan got to him. You have to remember, we are never out of reach of Satan's devices. So we must never be without the whole armor of God. Notice the last thing he said. This, this, is really, this really nails it down. In 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and use the sword. We cannot fight the battle in our own power. No matter how strong or talented we might think we are, We need to put on a whole armor of God in order to defeat our enemy. Father, we come before you this morning to thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your mighty grace, your mighty goodness, Lord. And we pray, God, right now that we would just remember to always put on the armor. To not take anything for granted, Lord. Though we go to church and we read and we're walking with you, Lord. Satan is watching every move that we make. And he's just waiting for that opportunity to throw that fiery dart where our armor is not on properly or it's missing. So, Father, help us, teach us, To be good soldiers, God. To be dressed for the battle. To be dressed for war. Because we are in a warfare every day. And will be until Jesus Christ takes us out of here. So, Father, we thank you. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to pray.